It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am Tom Reed, joined as always by Dave Molinari. A little bit later, we will be joined by Hall of Fame broadcaster and current president of Hall Options, John Davidson, uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's his second stint. Uh, JD's got a lot of good, good, good stuff to share about not only the Blue Jackets, but kind of uh, the way television is going. Obviously, again, being a Hall of Fame broadcaster, we'll talk to him a little bit about the, uh, the historic deals signed with ESPN and Turner. Uh, but let's turn right away to our the, the the news kind of the news of the day as we're recording this uh, on late Thursday afternoon. Uh, both Tristan Jari and Jeff Carter, uh, two pretty key players, uh, diagnosed with COVID. Uh, we believe both Dave are asymptomatic, which means by the time our listeners are hearing this over the weekend, they may be cleared and back in the lineup for the for the Leafs game, but still. Uh, certainly not news uh, that's welcome for the Penguins fans, especially with the way both guys have been playing. Yeah, as, I mean, as we say every week, you couldn't expect them to stay completely healthy forever. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's incredible. If Carter would not be available to uh, play on Saturday, that means they would be down their top three centers and their number one center will be uh, Evan Rodriguez, which is, I don't think is a role that too many people envisioned for him when the Penguins re-signed him this summer. And, uh, you know, if, if they would be without Jari, that would, you know, that would be significant too, because I would expect him to be penciled in as, as the starter for Saturday night. But, you know, Casey DeSmith is, is a capable backup, and he has to play some to, to try to stay sharp. So I don't, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, of the two, I, I think Carter would be a, uh, a bigger loss to them in the short term than, than Jari. Sure, and just, it's just it is amazing. We're, this, this is the third season still dealing with uh, COVID-19, and, and it, it, it really is as amazing how this continues to affect the sport. Obviously, not quite as bad as it was the first couple years, uh, to say nothing of what's going on in our country, but it's still hanging around and it's still uh, it's still a fact of life for these players, even the ones that are vaccinated. And when, when we talk about Jari, Dave, I mean, what a good start he's had to this season. I mean, we nobody needs to remind our listeners about how much we've talked about in the offseason about his playoff performance, uh, how he was nowhere close to being as good as he needed to be in that that series. And while some will say, well, yeah, prove it to me in April or May when, the, when in the playoffs, 
I still think you need to, it's a good sign that he's come out and been as sharp as he has been. Oh, yeah, it certainly is, is a good sign, you know, encouraging both for him and for the Penguins that, that he's gotten off to a, a, a good start. But, I mean, you can put me squarely in the camp of, of those who believe that his season is going to be determined by how he performs in the playoffs, assuming the Penguins get in. Um, you know, he could win the Vesna trophy for his play during the regular season, but if he would have another playoff showing like he did against the Islanders, uh, I don't, I don't think the season would be viewed as a success for him. No, but I also, I, I, he's still a young guy. He's really became the starter last season. Uh, you know, after they, they moved on, uh, from, from Matt Murray and I, your description there kind of reminds me of what like a lot of people think of Sergei Bobrovsky, right? Sergei Bobrovsky has been this goaltender, rightly or wrongly, I think rightly, uh, pegged as this guy who's been very good early in his career in the regular season and hasn't played well in the playoffs. I think with Jari, I wanted to make sure a young guy like that having such a rough series as he did against the Islanders that there wasn't carryover. And I, I have not seen that. No, no, there hasn't been, and that's a fair concern, but I don't know that it's a complete surprise. He's, you know, the the Penguins, after he had the uh, ghastly giveaway at at the end of Game 5, or to end Game 5 against the Islanders, you know, the, the prevailing sentiment inside the organization was that you know, there wouldn't be a carryover to game six just because Jari had a history of putting bad goals or bad games behind him. As it turned out, he had a very poor performance in game six. Uh, but, you know, that to this point in his career has been more the exception than the rule. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't think a bounce back uh, like he has had is completely surprising. In fact, I think it would have been uh, quite a cause for concern if there had been been a carryover to this season. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I I do agree with that, but I do think that there is, uh, especially given the fact that who is not in the lineup, he's, so he's not, yes, the Penguins have scored, at least at, at the time of this recording, 16 goals in four games. I think they lead the league, granted, that we're early in the year and some teams haven't played as many games. So the numbers are, are, are widely skewed, but he's not just having to rely on big guys to carry him through, and they 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 you know carry through his mistakes. I really haven't thought he's played poorly at all. I, I don't the goals. I mean, can you think of many bad goals he's let in so far this year? No, certainly not. I mean, he he's given them the the kind of goaltending that they will need to get into the playoffs, and, and then you know, to, to stay there for more than a half dozen games. Uh, they believe, and they made it clear this summer, that, he, you know, he, he's a goaltender who's, who's capable of putting them in position to contend for a championship. So, you know, they, they've set the bar pretty high for him, and to this point, he's been able to clear it. Yeah, I, I think for, for the most part, their goaltending has been pretty good. I thought he was really good. The other night against Dallas, uh, that was a hard game to watch, but that's just the way Dallas plays. But I thought Dallas had the majority of the really good scoring opportunities, and uh, he held them in there up until uh, the shootout, which you and I have gone 
around and round about, about I, I just, I can't stand the shootout anymore. I used to like it. And I'm just to the point where I don't think either team deserved two points out of that game. Uh, but Dallas ends up getting it. All right. When we come back, uh, we're, we'll, we'll continue our discussions here on some other Penguins topics. And a little bit later in the show, we, we will be joined by John Davidson, the Hall of Fame broadcaster, uh, and uh, who's in his second stint as president of hockey operations with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, please stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, Dave, the uh, used to be the high-flying Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, not quite that way this year to this point, uh, but obviously a potent lineup coming into town, uh, capable of putting up five or six goals in any game. Uh, we'll be in on Saturday night. Um, really good team. Uh and one of the thing you would when you'd first look at this 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 uh, Penguins lineup at the beginning of the season, you're thinking, "Oh my God, how are you know how are they ever going to be able to score, or at least uh, you know kind of keep up in a game with a team that plays the way they do?" And heck, uh, they, we we would have thought the same thing about the, the 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 Lightning. And yet here the Penguins are again at the time of recording, two wins. Uh, two losses in overtime slash shootout. Uh, and they have 16 goals. Now, a couple of those were empty netters at the end of that first game. Uh, but I, I would say all in all, pretty respectable total. Uh, they didn't do much against Dallas, but a lot of teams struggle against the way that they, uh, the Stars play. Uh, what are some of your early takeaways from this team after four games and, and how they've been able to at least cobble together enough offense uh, without Sidney Crosby and without Evgeny Malkin? Well, I mean, they've certainly done a, a good job of, of getting balanced scoring. I, I think they've had about a dozen players, you know, score at least one goal, yeah. um, which is is the kind of balance that I don't know that they necessarily could have 
anticipated going into the season. It's certainly something they hoped for, but I don't know that uh, they necessarily were, were realistically counting on that happening. And, and if somehow they can maintain that, you know, it will help them to uh, weather the storm of being without Crosby or Jeff Carter or whoever happens to be out of the lineup on a, on a given night, you know, the, that fills a top six role. You know, it, it'll make that a little easier to get through, but, you know, they still have very little margin for error with the, uh, the group of guys that, that they're sending out there on, on most nights at, at the start of this season. I do think it helps, and sometimes at least maybe psychologically for players that are usually lower in the lineup or not getting time on the power play, that, that while the, those guys, you'd obviously love to have those two guys on in, in your lineup every night, it does provide guys the, the idea that, I don't want to say the comfort, but knowing they're probably going to get a little bit of extra time, right? Because uh, those two guys take up so much of the ice time, especially when they fall behind. They're going to get extra shifts. Guys are going to be down in the lineup. These guys know they're going to be playing, and they know they have to contribute. Oh, sure. And, you know, when, when you get more ice time, for whatever reason, you know, it enhances the chances that you're, you're going to do something good offensively. And when you do that, you know, your, uh, your overall game tends to get a little better. I, there are very few, if any, things in, in this game that help a player's confidence, like scoring a goal, whether he's somebody who's counted on to, to score goals or not. That just, that just gives guys a list, a lift. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think so far that that's been the case. You know, through the through the Penguins' first four games, they they've played some pretty good, sound hockey, and you know, it, it's reflected in, in their point total. We we thought coming into the year, we, we talked about this going into the year that that again, Jeff Carter, the ageless Jeff Carter, would have to play well, uh, check that box off. Uh, I think he leads the team in points with four. He's been pretty good. I don't know that Danton Heinen was a guy that we uh, thought that was going to be scoring on a, a, rid- a ridiculous pace early in the year. He's got three goals. Uh, what what surprises have you seen from this team? And we're, uh, let's let's just start with Heinen. Well, um, and, and just uh, to be clear, going into the Toronto game, Carter is one of four guys who has four points. Okay, um, again, Marino and Latang also do. And I, I don't think anybody anticipated Brock McGinn being on a point per game pace either. But no, uh, Danton Heinen is a guy who when he was with Boston uh, before he went to Anaheim uh, showed some offensive ability, looked like a guy who could possibly develop into a 20 goal scorer. Now, you know, through three games, he was on an 82 goal pace. I, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody was uh, expecting him to keep that up and, until spring. But, you know, he, he does have some offensive ability. And so, you know, I think he's an example of what we touched on about confidence. When you get one, you know, you, uh, you tend to uh, believe in yourself and ha- have a little more faith in your abilities. And, you know, if he can get another one in the near future, um, you know, I could see him maybe exceeding expectations, you know, especially you know, because of uh, their injury issues. You know, they're missing two thirds of, of their top line. You know, it, at the moment, it looks like he'll be uh, 
plugged into the right side on, on the number one line as long as Brian Rust is out. So, you know, he's going to get opportunities. And if he is able to do something with them, that will uh, certainly be good for him as well as the team. Yeah. Another line I want to touch on is the Teddy Bluger line. And you you already mentioned McGinn. I, there was a lot of hand uh, when the Penguins ended up uh, exposing Brandon Tanev and no one's neither neither I and I'm sure no, nor you will say losing Brandon Tanev isn't going to hurt this season because it's just the way he plays and the energy he brings but that line has been pretty good without Tanev and McGinn I think has 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 been in he doesn't play the game quite the same way but he's been an effective player oh yes absolutely and I mean that's kind that's the role that he you know was envisioned for when they signed him his four points in, in four games aside, he, he's not a top six guy. Uh, just as Brandon Tanev scoring three goals in his first five games with the Kraken doesn't indicate that uh, he's a top six guy in, in Seattle. Uh, but he, you know, he, he's a good bottom six winger uh, who, who so far has, has validated the, uh, you know, the belief that the Penguins showed in him when, when they signed him as a, as a free agent out of Carolina. And I think, you know, he comes from a good system. We, we, we talk about, we talk about this. We probably don't talk about Carolina enough because obviously it's, it's a Pittsburgh show and it always seems like Carolina last year, they, they, they weren't in the division. And so you kind of forget about them. That's a good organization and that's a well-run team. And he's coming in from a, a well-run team that has had success over the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, it's never a bad thing uh, when a player comes from a winning organization. Um, you know, obviously that's, you know, that's not going to change the culture here. These guys have been in the playoffs for 15 years in a row. They, they expect to succeed here, but you know, you're, you're not having to kind of break any, bad mindsets with, with a guy like McGinn because of the, the success uh, that uh, he experienced in, in Carolina where the franchise trajectory has, has been upward for, for a couple of years now and, and probably will continue to uh, be so uh, whether McGinn is there or not. Uh, you alluded to the fact that this franchise has the, um, 15-year run, which I believe is the longest in hockey. And, and Dave, is it the, the longest in, in the may, four major sports right now, too? That I don't know. It is the longest active one in, in the NHL, though. Yeah. yeah, uh, And not quite halfway there, but a, a good chunk of that halfway there has been uh, sustained with Mike Sullivan as head coach. And you wrote, you wrote a, a really good piece uh, regarding uh, his longevity. Uh, his longevity in Pittsburgh that that started with a couple of Stanley Cups uh, last year, obviously not where they expected to be, but but winning a division title. Uh, and I always find it interesting when when sometimes coaches get second chances, no matter what the sport. We 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 if you for me being from Northeast Ohio, I saw Bill Belichick really not do a whole lot as a as a Cleveland Browns coach, and then he becomes this unbelievable one of the greatest coaches in any sport of all time with the new England Patriots. He went to uh, new England. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of new England, Mike Sullivan, a new England lad, uh, his first coaching job in Boston 
there two years, uh, first year in the playoffs. Nice job. Uh, lockout comes. He only gets one more year, and he's out. And when he, Dave, when he's out, he is out for a long time. He's working alongside John Tortorella for years, uh, several different places, uh, mostly with the Rangers. And then, lo and behold, he ends up becoming the minor league coach here. Uh, gets called up midseason. Everyone knows they win the Cup in 16, win the Cup 17, and really has become one of the preeminent coaches in the NHL today to the point where he will also uh, be serving double duty this year as Team USA coach. In, in talking to a lot of people, and it was an impressive list of people that you uh, reached out to, what are some of the overriding thoughts that they have about Sullivan's Tullivan? Well, here in Pittsburgh. Well, the the one thing, and the the premise of the story is that in, in a league where coaches tend to have a pretty short shelf life, you know, he uh, in mid December will complete his sixth year uh, as coach of the Penguins, and you know, he doesn't seem to have anybody tuning him out, and it doesn't seem to have have happened at any point in his. Uh, in his career here. And the, the one thing that everybody I spoke with volunteered without me bringing up was his communication skills with, with players, the way he talks to players, the way he gets to know them, uh, the way he gets input from them, um, that he listens when, if they're unhappy with ice time or their role or whatever, he will listen to them. He won't necessarily change his mind about how much a player is being used or whether he's on the power play or, you know, the fourth line or whatever, or sitting in the press box on game nights, but he will, you know, give the, uh, give a legitimate listen to what, to what the player has to say. And, and I think, you know, that seems to be one really key element in in the way that he has been able to uh, keep the attention of, of his players and in the process preserve his job. David, it's it's always seems to be a double-edged sword when you are coaching superstars. Uh, in some ways, you it's, you never get credit, seem to get the credit you deserve when the team wins, and you get a lot of credit, uh, blame when the team loses. And, and, and part of that has manifested itself in the fact that despite this terrific run that he has been on, he has never won the Jack Adams trophy, which I, 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 in some years, he's not even the finalist, which I find almost laughable. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? It just how he's seems to, you're just talking about these relationships that he's built with players. Uh, it's not always easy coaching stars. And, and he seems he and Crosby and Malkin and Latang have seemed like they have been on pretty much the same page since he's gotten here. Yeah, and that, and that's something that the people I talked to for the story, quite a few of them mentioned that you know not only does he have time for all of his players, but that he has a special relationship with uh, you know with his core veterans, Latang and Crosby and Malkin. It's also worth noting that everybody went out of their way to say no one should think that Sidney Crosby is deciding who gets on the power play or. Chris Latang is deciding, you know, who should uh, uh, be on the respective defense pairings. That, uh, you know, Mike Sullivan is the guy who makes decisions, and while he welcomes input from just about everybody else in the organization, he's the guy who decides what gets done and how it gets done. 
Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I suspect that I'm not a, uh, a voter for coach of the year. So I, you know, I don't want to try to speak for those folks, but I suspect that the, the broadcasters look at some of the world-class talents that he's had to work with and, you know, kind of deduce that, uh, well, you know, if you have those guys, you, you know, you should have a pretty good uh, season and a successful team. And maybe we'll look at a guy whose uh, team did a little better in the standings, maybe won a division or got into the playoffs uh, when it wasn't expected to. Yeah. And, and just the last point on, on the communication thing with, with stars and again, switching sports, but you, we've seen it countless times where stars and coaches aren't in agreement and stuff. We, the biggest example right now is in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers and all the issues he's had with his coach, uh, LaFleur and the organization, the general manager. So it is, it is refreshing to see uh, when you have a head coach who has the trust of the stars that for the most part, best interest usually at heart. And it's kind of working the right way. And I, I Really, I don't think you could say enough about the way uh, uh, Sullivan has run this team. And I do encourage all of our listeners who are also subscribers to please read Dave's story. All right. When we come back, uh, we will be joined by John Davidson, president of hockey operations for the Columbus Blue Jackets and a Hall of Fame broadcaster to talk on a touch on a variety of topics. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, we are now joined by the president of hockey operations, John Davidson, also a, a hall of famer, a hall of fame broadcaster. It's, it's a bit of trivia here. We have two hall of famers in the same class with Dave Molinari and John Davidson. JD, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on Tom, Dave, Dave. I still have the pictures from you and I. Way oh. back in 09 in Toronto, uh, that was a that was a special time. So you're still threatening blackmail, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too old for that. <laughs> uh, JD, this is your second stint, as as fans know, second stint as as president of hockey operations in Columbus. How did the challenges now compare with the challenges when you when you got back there? And I think 2012, 2013, that region. Um, a good question. You know when I. When a group of us got let go in New York, there was a lot of different apprehension from myself and my wife as to what we were going to do. 
would we just retire and head south? Would we maybe go to another team? There were opportunities. Maybe go to the broadcasting world. There was opportunities. And when we when we look back at the times that we had in Columbus, and they were good times, uh, knowing that we have a daughter and her family in Canton, Michigan, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. We have a daughter and her family in St. Louis. It's about a six-hour drive. Uh, knowing the ownership in Columbus of the Blue Jackets and how they operate, uh, just a lot of different things that played into this, and it became a no-brainer to go back to Columbus. I, I think the city itself is just a great city, or just a great city for a lot of different reasons. I think the uh, the club itself, knowing that if we do well and get it back on track, the support that we get here in Columbus is outstanding. So it just you know you know what happens, guys, when you have tough decisions to make. You get out a legal pad. You have the pluses and the minuses, and you start writing them down. The column on the plus side was really overwhelming. So here we are back in Columbus with a lot of the same characters, and and uh, we're going to get it going. That's awesome. Um, Judy, uh, what made Brad Larson kind of the right guy to, in, in replacement with, with, with John Tortorella, who, uh, you know, left at the end of last season now is, is, is in broadcasting, back in broadcasting uh, with ESPN. What uh, made Larson the right guy for the job? When, when I got back to Columbus as a, as a Blue Jacket again, they had already started the process led by Yarmo Kekalainen to uh, find a new head coach who in turn finds his staff. And they had already interviewed Lars, um, and they talked about how great the interview went and what their thoughts were. I wanted to start fresh, and we uh, ended up doing Lars again along with a number of other candidates. And every time you spent time with Lars and talked to him even more, the more it was apparent that he was the guy that was setting the standard for the, uh, for the interviews, the person that knows our club the best, talking to players and putting some trust into their value and their ideas, it became more apparent that they had a great deal of respect for him. He learned, uh, he learned a ton from John Tortorella and there's a lot of good things you can learn there. And then to, to also look at that, he's an independent individual without question. And um, so we knew that he had a lot of the good things about John Tortorella. Plus we knew that he was his own person. And he'll make his own decisions and do things his own way. And he's been able to uh, do exactly that. We've had an outstanding training camp. We, we know we got we have a lot of work to do to become a, a top-notch team. Uh, but we're right in the middle of it. And, and he is the leader for us. I, he is so genuine and so real. I guess a classic example would be this summer when uh, Matisse Kivlenix unfortunately passed away with the with the accident you always look for leadership in those scenarios because that's traumatic it's traumatic to everybody that uh, is surrounded within that uh, within that orbit and um, i mean lars just jumped in his car the next morning drove to detroit spent time with with everybody involved and it just didn't stop with one trip there it kept going and going and going and uh that's the type of leadership you need. I think players trust that, enjoy it. And then to cap it off, he's got a form of honesty that's about as good as it gets. So knowing we had really good candidates, but Lars is the one that jumped out to us. Yeah, Jay, you, you, you touched on Matisse Kivlenix and his unfortunate passing this summer 
from the fireworks episode. I want to take you back to last week, uh, your, your home opener, your season opener. And what an emotional night that must have been. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens, uh, a, a fellow Latvian uh, in goal, uh, wearing uh, Matisse's number 80 uh, in his honor. Uh, the team plays, wins 8-2. to two. Uh, What was the, the just the mix of emotions on a night yeah. like that? Well, as we all know, hockey is a very emotional game. Um, generally, home openers, are, are, it's a time to be excited. The fans are excited. Everybody, it's, it's that one night that kicks off a season in your home city. For me, for me, it was home. Uh, it was home opener number forty-nine since I started playing in nineteen seventy-three. So, and and I was excited about it. I had a little apprehension. My apprehension was for Elvis. He wanted this so bad, and he was so caring to do with everything that uh, is involved with uh, Kiv Lennox, uh, the family, etc. And the family was here, and and uh, Elvis, he didn't blink. I mean, he 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 pitched himself a great game. He was the real difference in that game, even though the score was eight two. He was the he was the rock for us, and and seeing the family, I wasn't sure how that was going to go because you're you're going to have a lot of sorrow plus a lot of excitement and happiness, and during the first intermission. Uh, my wife and I, Yarmo and his wife, we went down to the suite where the Kiv Lennox family was watching the game. And they were as, as prideful and wonderful as, as you can just imagine, even more so. And that was actually their first NHL game they had ever seen. And they were so excited, and they knew that their son was on the verge of playing in this, this great league. And uh, they were so excited about being invited being here, we were extremely happy that they took us took us up on the invitation. But it ended up being a, a glorious night. The, the The banner being unfurled, everything went perfectly. The family was there; they were great. the The score was great. The fans were really into it. Showed a great deal of respect for Kibby and his family. It was, um, if I had to notch a one to ten scale, I'd give it a twelve. Uh, John, a, a few months ago, the Penguins celebrated the uh, 30th anniversary of, of their first cup. Uh, that was back in your broadcasting days. I want to say you were with Sports Channel back then. <laughs> what do you remember of those Penguins teams from uh, the early 90s? Well, you know, it almost they were in so many playoff games, it almost felt like Pittsburgh was my second home. I spent a lot of time there in hotels, um, restaurants, etc. There was greatness there. There just was. I, I think when you look at the Penguins, I was also there for a long time when when they struggled and didn't have very many people in the building, and, and etc. But Mario and Yogs and Tommy Barrasso and goal and Craig Patrick running the show. There was, was it Bob Johnson coaching that team? He coached the first cup year. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he Badger, got sick. He was diagnosed that fall. Right. Right. Badger, Badger. I knew him from Calgary when he was coaching there and he, uh, he just set those lines, you know, verbiage of a great day for hockey. And it seemed like every time he went into Pittsburgh, it was a great day for hockey. There was, was Tockett on that team too? He came. He came time. the second year. Second year. Okay. I just 
Stevens. Just they were. It was a great team to watch play. It was a creative team to watch play. Um, when you had, you know, you know, Pittsburgh over the last number of years with Crosby and Malkin, they had Yager and, and uh, Lemieux, and then there was various defensemen that were great defensemen, like Latang was when Pittsburgh was winning their cups. There's some, somewhat of a of a parallel there, but uh, that was that was something in that old igloo, the old barn, and it just. It just that was just a great team. Yeah. It's a, that's what it was, and they could they could play a physical game, a tough game. They could score. They could do a little bit of this and that. They they relied on goaltending, and of course the greatness of Mario. I mean, it just is what it is. Oh. you've been in the game for a few years now, John. Um, <laughs> how many franchises have you seen that have been fortunate enough to? be able to make a quick transition from a Mario Lemieux to a Sidney Crosby? No, not many. Not many. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that come into play. Sometimes you're fortunate to get that pick. It's tougher now because rules change and there's the lottery. But it's also, it, it takes it takes good management and things because it's, it's not just the great player, even though we're talking Sid, Sid has been nothing short of great. Um, but it takes management to be able to fill the holes all over the place. It takes scouting to be able to draft and find some, some good picks down the line in, in, the, in draft, uh, the draft weekend. And uh, I, I also think that when, you, when you're able to find generational players, when they have the leadership that's built within you know, we, we see Sid, we see him on television, we listen to him. He's a very polite, he's a, he's a, he's a person that doesn't create any animosity anywhere, but he's got fire. I mean, he's got incredible fire to win. You know, when, when I watched Edmonton, when they had Gretzky and Messier, I did a lot of those games for television, uh, most of them. And Gretz on the outside and still is a, a, just a gentleman. But he had a fire. He had a fire. Mark Messier is a real gentleman. His fire burned like you wouldn't believe to win. So th- when these people and you find these generational players, and then they, then it's uh, and then the, the another one of the check marks is the competitive fire to win. It, you just don't find them that often. And I've been around again forty nine years in this league. Those types of players uh, we should really respect, admire because they're very, very hard to find. And, John, finally, uh, as either or both a former broadcaster and a team executive, what do you think about the NHL having two networks carrying its games in the in the U.S. this year with ESPN and TNT? Well, for me right now, it's different trying to figure out where all the games are. But I think it's great, and if it creates a little bit of uh, – competition so be it nothing wrong with that at all i think they're uh, both espn and turner and i did talk to both and i have a great deal of respect for both turner tnt is is there they're they're feeling their way right now but like the first night with espn there was more hockey on espn that night and the next day on all the other shows too than we've seen in probably almost two decades um, Turner, TBS, they're taking a run at it, but they, they've had great success with other sports. They're, they're, they're hiring people that uh, can entertain, 
plus uh, have a lot of knowledge of what the game's about. And I think these networks are going to get better and better and better as we move along. You know, you know, Dave, Tom, one thing I, I learned over the years when I was broadcasting for a couple of decades is that these networks, and I worked for ABC, NBC, CBS, Sports Channel, ESPN, on and on, Hockey Night in Canada, CBS, or pardon me, CBC, the people love hockey. They love broadcasting hockey. It's amazing when you see high-profile production people with other networks and they're going to get hockey. They just they all want to do it. They want to be a part of it. They love to broadcast hockey games. So when I look at these two, uh, these two networks, the better they do, the better it is for us, for the game. The better they do, the better they do for their own business. And I think they're going to be very good at what they do. I, I think that it's just grown and grown and grown. It's a sign that you see when you have these types of companies that want to take our sport on compared to where we were uh, quite a number of years ago. I, I credit Gary Bettman and the crew for, for staying with a lot of different things in, in what they do, and they've done a great job. It's spreading in this country, and it's a worldwide game. Well, J.D., we thank you so much for taking some time, and we wish the organization the best of luck this season. And uh, it, it's great hearing your voice again. Uh, and that does it for us this week on the 6687 podcast. For our guest, John Davidson, uh, for Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next week. 